What's up, Canes fans? Peter Reese here alongside D Money, bringing you the latest edition of the Canes Insight Podcast. D Money, as always, will be bringing us the latest on the recruiting front from his posts on the ATM. And then I will have an interview with Isaiah Thomas, safety commit for this recruiting class, who, you know, it was a great conversation, really smart kid. And I think he brings a lot to the table in terms of physical attributes and the coaching staff is really high on him. But D, welcome on tonight. As always, Canes fans, like and subscribe. And then watch the live show that we have every Thursday night, the Canes Inside live stream. But we all know why everyone's here. They want to hear what the latest on the recruiting front is. And D Money is here to provide that for us. Absolutely. And also don't forget to check out the canesinsight.com forum, sign up and get all kinds of recruiting tidbits right fresh off the presses. Nothing is more current than that. Also, canes.insight at Instagram. Um, but yeah, man, happy to be on, happy to be talking recruiting. First of all, congrats are in order to you, Pete. Uh, Titus Howard, your client, your biggest client as, as an agent. Was it three years, 56 million? Did I have that right? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, big news today, him signing his contract extension with the Texans and uh, obviously the first guy to ever believe in me as an agent early on. And when I made that switch and uh, it's it was just awesome for him and his family. Great guy. And he fully deserves it. So, yeah, excited for you. Congratulations. You deserve it. He deserves it. Um, we'll be getting into some of your conversations you've had with NFL scouts about Miami prospects today. You know, obviously your NFL connections serve you well there. I know you've been in contact with some of your connects as far as just what NFL teams are saying about the guys we have now coming up. And, uh, you know, excited to get into all that stuff. But first on the recruiting trail, uh, obviously a huge barbecue coming up this weekend. We got a lot of confirmed attendees. Camarion Franklin, the five-star defensive tackle out of Mississippi. Um, Aiden Breeland looks like he's going to attend five-star defensive tackle out of Los Angeles. JoJo Trader, five-star commit. Chance Robinson, several other commits will be attending as well. And Loane McCoy, flip candidate, uh, four-star Florida State wide receiver commit. He'll be there. And there'll be more potential candidates to, to flip that are not being reported right now. Just keep an eye on that. And also at least one major, major name who we expect to attend who hasn't been announced. So stay tuned on that. That's something that you mentioned in your update of the ATM that you posted on the website, uh, that there was going to be a name that was going to be kind of kept under wraps. We'll see who that ends up being. Of course, I'm sure everything will come out in the, in the next few days as the weekend uh, ensues. But D looking at your update, Jalen Hayward, a name that was there, a name that we've spoken about recently on the podcast as well. He's expected on campus this weekend. Any new developments there? Obviously, decommitted from Georgia. You said last week that he was a guy that Miami was still trying to figure out what they were going to do with. What's the latest? Yeah, the expectation is that he will be on campus this weekend. He's kind of a mercurial individual, so you never know, but that's the expectation is that he will be there on campus. And Miami's, again, still doing their due diligence. Um, you know, they think this guy's a phenomenal player. Uh, have a good relationship with him, uh, you know, like the kid, but it's a, it's a process and the process continues into this week. So him coming on campus would be a huge step and, uh, and we'll see where that goes. But the expectation as of now is that Jalen Hayward will be on campus this weekend. Eddie Pierre Louis at the offensive line spot. You brought his name up last week. And again, 
in the recent update expected to be on campus. Looks like his name is really back in the mix at the offensive line position. Yeah, he's a, a good, big, fast guy, runs the 100 meters. Um, Miami loves what he does as a potential guard or center. Um, always been high on the board. That never changed, but the interest is, is starting to pick up. So Miami would love to, to add him to the fold. He will be, again, he, he's expected to visit this weekend. There's always other people trying to swoop in and get them to go to their event. So, you know, you never know until they're here, but Miami does expect Eddie uh, Pierre-Louis to be on campus, a Tampa offensive guard, uh, four-star. And then two prospects who have, are, have kind of been on the radar for commit watch, so to speak. Zaquan Patterson at safety, Chris Cole at linebacker. Miami seems to feel like they're in a good spot with, with both of those still. Well, with, with Patterson, Miami remains extremely confident. The safety from Chaminade. Chris Cole's an interesting one. Um, Miami's again last I when I put that out at the ATM earlier this week, Miami was extremely confident. Uh, now Georgia lost a five-star commit and they got a couple crystal balls for Chris Cole. So there's a lot of speculation. And speaking to some people, confirming that speculation that Cole might have said something to Georgia that led to those crystal balls going in once they lost the other commit at linebacker. Um, checking in with sources, the communication with Miami is still good. And he's going to go to Tennessee this weekend, and Miami feels they're the same place they were before. Now, the thing with recruiting, we can't get in the mind of the of the player. You know, you can only kind of go off what he's saying and how he's communicating. Um, but the communication is still there with Miami, and Miami, again, was extremely confident before this, and I, I don't sense a change there. But you, you have to take it seriously when you see crystal balls to a school like Georgia because um, you know they're going to prioritize him and recruit him hard. W- one other name I want to mention who we haven't talked about is uh, an interior offensive lineman, Nino Francavilla out of uh, Connecticut. I believe he's a Canadian kid from outside uh, Canada or sorry, outside Toronto. He's now going to the prep school, the fifth year school that uh, Jackson Carver went to Miami's tight end commit last year. So he's somebody who's committed to Harvard. A lot of Ivy league offers hasn't really blown up in terms of the, the power five level, uh, but he's somebody who has camped, at schools, he camped in Miami, and I asked about the offer, and I was told that's a real offer. You know, Miami really wants him to be uh, the center of this class, the true center. They had him at, at they think he's going to be over 300 pounds. They got him at 6'3", 290 now, but they said frame-wise he'll be over 300 pounds. Uh, shuttle, uh, 4.8, which is a good number for, for a high school center, especially a bigger one. Film, he's knocking people over, very physical. But again, you're talking about Canadian kid. It's going to be interesting to see how he competes, but uh, – According to a person I spoke to, competed very well at camp, and this is a real offer from Miami that they, you know, nothing to do with anybody else. They want him at center, and they need a center, and they think he could be the guy. Seems like an ever-changing board at the offensive line position this year for the Canes, but you know they're going to get some high upside prospects at that spot. An interesting note that you had in the ATM was that this staff is working on a few guys committed elsewhere right now and some guys that aren't necessarily on the radar of Canes fans, meaning they aren't getting crystal balls and, and there aren't stories or tweets out there about them and being connected to Miami. I know you can't get into too many specifics in that end, but what does that say about the staff's mentality, always just trying to uncover and upgrade the, at every position? Yeah, I think it 
shows you that they're always working. They're not giving up on kids and they're going to evaluate the best kids, make them priorities and recruit them until they sign. So that is happening. And again, there may be some things in the works that you got to keep an eye on. And um, if all goes according to plan, there may be an update on that front within the week. So stay tuned and, and we'll see where that goes. But they're definitely working on committed kids that are not anybody being speculated on the boards at the moment. And then the last update here from the ATM is Sendre Afua, guy you've been talking about a lot on the podcast and mentioning in your updates on the bank as well. Looks like it's coming down to Miami and Texas A&M. Yeah, Texas A&M-Miami battle, um, neck and neck. I think the relationships are better in Miami. But, you know, it's Texas A&M is, is working some people around them hard. And, you know, there's always obviously other things involved. Um, with some, with a highly competitive battle like this. So we'll see. Miami feels good about the relationship. They feel good about the recruitment. And uh, it's a big-time battle, and that's one that they hope to win. But I, 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 there was some talk about Utah, but I think Miami and Texas A&M are the two teams to watch in that one. So transitioning now into the current roster, right? Obviously, D, you always bring us your updates from camp, which will be coming very soon, as always, on the website and on the podcast, but it's always interesting now to hear what the people in the NFL think about the talent level on the roster. Now, there's always a development that goes into it, right? So just because the certain guys have grades in the NFL and the scouts think certain things of their traits depends on where they're used in, in the scheme. It depends on a lot of different factors, players around them, right, for them to reach their full potential at the college level. But just listening to what these scouts are saying right now, especially at the offensive line position, it's been a spot that you have been very excited about in the spring, right? But these scouts are kind of confirming, at least with the guys who are eligible to go on to the next level next year because they aren't really watching these freshmen and sophomores like that. But a Matt Lee is a top five center in the country. And this is a guy who could go in the top two to three rounds when it's all said and done. Wow. Is that what you're hearing from scouts? That, I, I, that's, that, that surprises me to go that high. So the football IQ and the characters there, the size is there and athletically he has it which at that position these days, you're looking for athletic centers who can get out, who can pull, and who can really, again, you have to have the football IQ, right? But it's a position these days that sets the tone for the rest of the offensive line. And he's that good, right? We're, we're hearing a lot inside the building, but this is from NFL people saying that, right? So, He's one guy. Then you have a Javion Cohen who talent-wise in the same range is probably could be a top two to three round pick when it's all said and done. Now, him transferring over from Bama, him being a starter, there are going to be some questions that he has to answer. Well, you're starting at Bama. Why just pack your bags and come down to Miami? These are natural questions that scouts want to dig into, right? It's, it is it is a from the outside looking in, you do wonder, all right, you're doing great down there. It's a great program. Why leave? Right. So those sort of things he'll have to answer. But from a football perspective, 
those two guys right off the bat are bringing a high level of talent to your line that you did not have last year. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, with Cohen also, he took that leave of absence, and whether that should be held against him or not, you know, I'm not going to get into that, but that could potentially be another thing that's that's working against him from a draft standpoint, but doesn't affect what he's going to do for Miami, uh, certainly. You know, I was curious what you're hearing about Zion Nelson, who uh, Cristobal said in the media days they're expecting him back in, in camp. That's what I was told. But at the same time, Samson Okalola is coming in. I know there's some people around the program who think that Samson Okalola is going to be starting at some point this season. Does that mean that Zion doesn't start or, you know, where is he going to play? How does he go to the right tackle? Who knows how this thing shakes up with injuries and everything. But I know there's a lot of expectations on Samson being a starter at some point this year. But there's also expectations on Zion being healthy. So what are right. you hearing on Zion from the scouts? Well, it, it's it's very interesting because the scouts are asking me what's up with Zion Nelson. So they don't – them the, the scouts themselves are not counting on him to be out there. I think they're very intrigued by what he could be, but after the string of injuries, right? And again, you looked at last year preseason, there were these mock drafts, right, that had him. And for the last couple of years, mock drafts that had Zion Nelson in the top 10 first round, even a Mel Kuyper, for example. And nothing against these people who put these mock drafts out, but and even a Mel Kuyper, for example, who has his – connections throughout the league and he's been doing it as long as anybody but these are not accurate predictions by any stretch right nobody that i was talking to at at this time last year thought zion nelson was a first round pick at that time if everything went perfectly could it have happened potentially yes but he was probably a fourth fifth you know late day two early day three type of pick if you know, at this point last year, obviously he's gone through what he's gone through injury wise. He has not been available. So there's major questions about him. If he's healthy with his experience, he probably should be a starter on this team. The question I got is then what happens with Jalen Rivers? Because Jalen Rivers is playing that left tackle spot and he's probably the best. Again, another guy who has, you know, hasn't been fully available and hasn't been totally consistent but when he's out there he's he's the best guy right so well is that is that your opinion and i, I wouldn't fight you on that but is that your opinion or is that what you're hearing from scouts on no that's what, that, that's what i'm hearing from scouts i mean they think he's the best one they think he's the best wow. one but again there's questions about what that starting lineup is going to look like the scouts don't don't watch the freshmen necessarily who are who are coming in they may when a Greg Russo was a true freshman, I've said this before on the podcast, people are saying right away, that kid's a future top 10 pick, but they aren't out there writing down notes about him breaking down his game. So Zion, a lot of questions to be seen, you know, to be answered about him. Like I said, when you asked me the question, the Scots are asking me what's going on with him. So they don't fully know what what the deal is with him. They're not counting on him, so to speak. With Rivers, did they talk about position-wise? Do they see him as a tackle? Do they see him as a guard? He, at the next level, he's a guard. At the next level, he's a guard. He can play a tackle at the college, at the collegiate level, of course, but they don't see him as a, as a tackle at the next level. Yeah, I'm excited to see 
Rivers and, and what you're saying matches Jim Nagy, the head of the Senior Bowl, someone who you know again from your time as a, as an agent. He said Miami had four NFL picks on all O line. The four guys you mentioned, which is Lee Cohen, Zion, and and Rivers, doesn't even get into Malgoa, doesn't get into Samson, doesn't get into Kinsler, doesn't get into Ines um, Cooper. Ines Cooper. So a lot of names there. What are some other things? Uh, just emptying the notebook there in your conversations with scouts. The most intriguing prospect on the team overall right now, and this is this may sound some alarms for Canes fans because he hasn't been the most consistent guy, but Leonard Taylor. You cannot find that sort of raw pass rush ability on the interior of the defensive line. Athletically, his quickness, he doesn't necessarily rush with much of a plan, right? He, he isn't putting together combinations of pass rush moves. He, he's not the most technically sound guy right now. But his pass rush ability, you know, really sticks out on tape. And again, he's a guy who's going to be a, a junior coming up now. So he'll be eligible. Kane's fans may be looking at it going into this saying, look, he's he's only done X, Y, Z. He, he's only played this amount of snaps. But the, it his talent's sticking out on tape to these scouts. And, and when I say sticking out, it's flashing to them in a big way. Because- so this is a time of year where the the amateur scouts, so not guys that aren't you know official actual scouts, just internet guys, maybe ESPN kind of guys, they really start putting out those clips and starting that drumbeat. And you're hearing a lot of first round buzz on Taylor, and they'll put out clips. And when you go back and watch Taylor's highlights outside of the context of this disappointing season, outside of the context of some of the inconsistencies, and you see what he's doing, the flashes, like you said, it is eye-popping. You know, Now that we've stepped away from it for like a few months and we see it again, it's like, wow, this is different. Uh, and, this, and the stats are there. Again, consistency is different than putting up tackles for loss sporadically. But certainly you're seeing a lot of uh, flashes. And I'm thinking back to a guy from Miami-Dade County who got drafted last year at defensive tackle, Kalaja Kansi who's smaller than Taylor, probably not as talented as Taylor, but was a first-round pick. And in the past, you never see a guy that small be a first-round pick, but because that interior disruption, athletic ability, is so valued in today's game, the ability to get to the passer to just cause problems inside, even if you're lighter or smaller, that's so valued that someone like Taylor, who's bigger, more talented than can't see, I could see him definitely being a first-round. Is that the impression you're getting as far as the potential range if he has a good year? 1,000%. 1,000%. It just For him, it comes down to the little things, which become very big things, which is his, <laughs> excuse me, his motor being consistent, keep getting the right weight on and keeping it on, right? Because I think he was a little light at times last year. And his conditioning, which goes into the, goes into his motor, right? I, I think NFL teams don't worry so much about, well, he doesn't have his pass rush or pass rush arsenal, you know, complete just yet. The way the the league looks at it is he has the raw ability. We'll coach him up once he gets there, but you cannot coach motor and consistency. And again, not taking plays off, right? Whether that's a mental thing or whether that was a physical thing in terms of conditioning, we'll see this year. Right. But 
to me, 1000% his ceiling can definitely be that first round. And this is, this is a pretty talented group of guys in the interior when you look at it because Aki Mesador looks like a guy who has a top four to five round range right now. He may not test like a freak athlete, which will probably hold him back in today's day and age of linemen who are running these four, four and four fives. Right. And he's sort of a tweener. We don't know if he'll be an interior guy, if he'll play on the edge. It depends what scheme he plays in. Um, But he's a very productive player has he, if you gave uh, LT his use of hands and his technique and his pass rush moves and motor, right, yeah. <laughs> all of that, it would be you're talking about a top five pick right now in, in, in Leonard Taylor, right? But Mesador, we saw what he did last year. He's a guy who's very intriguing to the scouts. But Branson Dean is a guy that I think you mentioned it a few episodes ago that people within the program were excited about. He's a guy who can definitely get drafted, right? Sort of a tweener, not the biggest defensive tackle, but his quickness getting into the backfield, right? That's su- I mean, that's such a skill. And you see Nesta Silvera just got drafted, right? From uh, obviously played in Miami, went to Arizona state. The year that Nesta had that got him drafted was his, penetrating pass, you know, not pass rush, rush ability getting into the backfield right against the run. So Branson Dean to me is a sleeper on this defensive line with real NFL talent and ability. It's good to hear what they that. Yeah, It's good to hear these getting that kind of respect because I watched him when he committed, I watched him against Iowa, Michigan, and he was beating those guys. I mean, you're not going to get bigger and better than those guys. So he might be small, but he was beating the biggest and best. His stats back it up. I think PFF had him along with Taylor and Cansey, who we just mentioned, as one of the top pass rushing interior guys in the country. And then talking to the coaches, they say, look, you, got, you guys got to start talking about this guy. This guy's a major stud. Really good in the weight room, too, despite being a smaller guy. So you get the tape, the feedback from scouts, the feedback from the coaches, the advanced stats. This is a guy that I think is getting is not getting enough attention from Canes fans. And again, just like with Taylor and Cansey, interior pass rush is so valuable. He may not be the athlete those guys are, but he's very, very consistent, good character, all that kind of stuff, plus has explosive ability. So uh, excited to see what Dean brings to the table. Anybody else uh, come up? Yeah, a few more things. Obviously, we'll get into TVD in a second, uh, but Cam Kitchens would, you know, he's the safest pick on the team. He, that's not shouldn't be a surprise to many people right now. I wouldn't say that he is a considered like a first round pick right now, um, but he's definitely a guy who would be in that top 100 pick type range. Obviously, the safety position these days, every team values them differently, right? Um, so, and he's not a one of these freakazoid guys who's just going to be all over the field doing I – mean, he's he's great in his own right, don't get me wrong, but the guys who would go top, top, top of the draft are these 6'3", six, 6'4", six, guys who can probably play a multitude of positions. But um, his I, football IQ shows up on film was, was, what I, was what I got, right? So the coaches talk about it. Everyone around him has always said, even you know, his seven-on-seven seven coaches, his high school coaches have always harped on – 
he's a student of the game. His football IQ is on another level. That shows up on film, right? So, again, we'll see what he tests. These 40 times are always – he to me, looks like a guy who probably – he plays a lot faster than what he actually will end up running just because he is always a step ahead of what's happening. Um, but I don't think he's a low 4-4 guy, right? So that sort of stuff – We'll let the process play out, but 100% a guy who is on the NFL's radar. And as any Canes fans who watch games know, he was pretty much the best player on the team last year. Yeah, it seems like a day two pick to me if he stays healthy. Um, four six probably, which is going to hurt him. I think the other thing that will hurt him is I don't know if he's the kind of guy you want to line up over the 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 slot receiver. I don't think he has that in his bag. I think he's much more of a, of a deep center field type safety. However, safety is a weird position. It's been misevaluated a lot at the NFL level. And, you know, I, I go back and study these things just because I'm a loser. I also, you know, listen to um, a lot of podcasts with NFL scouts who do the same kind of former NFL scouts who go back and do the same kind of studies. And one thing that keeps coming up with the safety position is, Guys that maybe not don't run the fastest, guys that maybe don't have incredible physical dimensions, if they have that IQ, the instincts, the ball skills, in, in Kitchen's case, also a great open field tackler, the the physical dimensions don't matter as much. Some examples of Kevin Byard out of the Titans, uh, Justin Williams out of out of Denver, um, the two guys for for Boss, uh, for Buffalo, uh, Poyer and uh, and who's the other one? Um, the, the two the two safeties out there in Buffalo, none, neither of those two guys are physical marvels, but these are guys that know what to do. They're smart. They, they get the IQ and the ability to catch the ball, which Kitchens does have that. And then, you know, to me, I think the most underrated thing with Kitchens is he does not miss tackles. He is a very, very, very reliable tackler. He can strike, but he definitely doesn't strike at the expense of missing tackles. So uh, I'm a big Kitchens fan. I think day two, if he stays healthy, makes a lot of sense for him. Another guy in the secondary, I just wanted to touch on real quick, Devontae Brown. Did not have a great season last year at UCF. I don't think his film was very good at all. I had scouts telling me last year before the season that he could be the best corner in the state of Florida. Obviously, that was Tyreek Stevenson last year. Devontae Brown has a lot to prove this year. He needs good film, but in terms of his length and his speed, he's got the look. Right. And we saw what DJ Ivy going, getting drafted by the Bengals in the seventh round and having some good early impressions there. A name that has obviously been talked about on this podcast many times. But a Devontae Brown, if he can put together a good season on under this new, you know, defensive scheme and in a new place for him, he could be a guy who goes mid rounds as well. Yeah, you know, I think we're the only people anywhere talking about DJ Ivy as a draft pick, and you know that goes back to August of '22, um, saying that he had draftable ability. Obviously, he ends up getting drafted. So Devontae Brown, that length, ability to run—that's that—that is more unique than people realize. James Williams, has his name come up? Talk about secondary guys. Is he someone you're hearing about? Not as much. I, I think that again, his inconsistencies. Uh, Last year with, with the tackling is something that's that's going to come up a lot. And look, he has the body type, but there hasn't been enough impactful plays 
at this point for him to necessarily be. Not to say that he can't be. You know, we could be replaying this this clip at the end of the year, and he's one of the most dynamic defense players in the country. I don't think that anyone has has you know reservations about him, his ability to become that. But his shoulder was an issue last year. There, they need to see a lot more on film uh, for him to be squarely, you know, kind of as a guy that they're looking at as a draft pick at this point. Yeah, the versus he has, he can do it. He can do it. Don't don't get me wrong. I don't want people to jump on me and say, "Well, he doesn't think he's talented enough." He definitely is. So, and the versatility, he's got to show that. Um, hopefully, in this Gidry defense, I heard they are moving him around more um, than other that he has in the past. Uh, so that brings us to TVD. What do you hear? So, uh, look, I mean, you can again. I, I mentioned that the mock draft kind of the issue with mock drafts is everyone jumps on them, right? And you see his name everywhere last year. And I think that obviously creates some sort of expectations on it. Scouts and people in the NFL understand the situation that players are in, right? Last year was not the most um, conducive situation to him putting up big numbers in this offense being great. Now, did he have the best year when he did have uh, time in the pocket? Was he always crisp and was he always hitting guys where, where it was supposed to be? No, not at all. There were a lot of things that came up last year, even though he didn't have the offensive line, his lack of top level athletic ability was exposed. Right. So there are questions in terms of that, but his arm talent, as you've talked about many times, his ability to make all these different types of throws from different angles, his physical nature, his stature, right? Um, His emotional stability. He's not a guy who gets too up or too down. He's not going to be yelling at guys necessarily on the sideline, but he's also mature where we've seen this problem very too many times now the last 10, 15 years of Miami where the quarterback's not setting an example in the locker room. Is he the coolest guy? Is he hanging out with, with everyone going all the parties? Maybe, maybe not, but he's setting a real standard as to what it's supposed to look like, what business and work is like. And at the quarterback position, these are things that the scouts take note of. Definitely. So, scouts are watching with an interested eye knowing that you have a new offensive coordinator coming in and knowing what the offensive line is going to look like in front of them. They're excited about him. And I think this is a guy who could still be a very high draft pick. Yeah. And, and quarterback such a juice position. You know, he has a season like he did in 21. People are going to start looking for reasons to draft him because of his size. He says he slimmed down. He's, he's going to be trying to focus on his athleticism. I think he's more athletic than people give him credit for. We'll see how that plays out this year at a lighter weight with a better offense, a better offensive line. So excited to, to follow those guys. You know, we're draft freaks here. We, we, we follow it closely here on the Kansas side podcast. And uh, hopefully the kid you're about to talk to is the next NFL draft pick coming from the Canes, Isaiah Thomas, big, fast, talented safety uh, out of Canada, just like another Mario Cristobal safety, Javon Holland. So excited to see, uh, see what he brings and uh, looking forward to the interview you did with him. Great conversation with him. And as always, every Thursday night, 
Kane's Inside Live, always bringing on different guests. The Money Hops on as well. Brad Brad Tejeda does a great job whenever he comes on and provides uh, recruiting updates. So uh, we're going to have some cool different guests. We, we had the Miami Gardens Ravens a few weeks ago. And uh, as D-Money said, who knows, we maybe get some get some more of those Ravens yep. moving forward. My power just went out, so we're, we're a good time to kick to Isaiah Thomas. We're going to like and subscribe. Go Canes. Go Canes. Isaiah, man, what's going on? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. All right, here we go. He already has his Raptors hat on. I'm sure he has the Drake uh, – the Drake Shrine is back there somewhere as well. I don't, I don't, I don't have no Drake Shrine. <laughs> I don't have no Drake Shrine. So we have Toronto's very own. He's down in Florida, obviously, at Clearwater Academy International. He has some roots in Ghana. His father was born there. So this is a man, you know, who has some international flair. And he's going to be joining the, this Hurricanes uh, team next season obviously excited to get to talk to you tonight Isaiah I know you've been committed to the Canes for a while how have things changed for you if they've changed at all from before you kind of made your announcement public um I want to say things have really changed that much you know I would say like you know like outside noise you know block that out uh, my relationship with everyone around me has been the exact same, you know, I'm very happy about that, you know, even with the coaching staff over there at, at Miami. So everything's been, everything's been fine. So, yeah. so you decided to commit before you actually took your official visit. I know you took an unofficial visit and, and committed shortly thereafter. Yeah. What did you see when you went down to campus that sealed the deal for you? Um, I would say, I would say that when I stepped on campus, you know, I would say that majority of schools that I visited before, you know, I liked them, but they always had a but after I, after like I explained like the good things about them. And I would say that Miami didn't really have any of those, you know, in terms of the coaching staff and my relationship with the coaching staff, Adai, Gidry, Crystal Ball, like, like my first interaction with them, being, being with Akeem that first day I got out there as well. You know, just me being comfortable, me me feeling at home, you know, uh, just getting in that film room with Coach Gidry even too, just to just to, just to like see a plan and you know and just see what he wants to do with the defense and talk to Coach Crystal Ball about where he wants to take the team and you know and in terms of you know growing and you know in terms of in terms of his process and everything just sounded great to me. Everything just sounded complete. So your journey to this point has obviously been different than most guys who are committed to top programs at, at this point, right? right? If you can kind of, I know you've told the story before, but if you can kind of go through that real quickly, you know, where you were born, your background, I guess, growing up in sports, how you found football and just take us to how you got to where we are now. Yeah, so um I was born in Marco, Ontario, about a couple of minutes outside of Toronto. Basically, basically Toronto, same thing, right? And um, yeah, I started playing football when I was five. Um, my dad, he was a basketball player. He wanted me to play basketball. I didn't really enjoy basketball that much, um, and my parents really wanted me, wanted to find me something that I would enjoy. So at the age of like five, I'm turning six. They put me in football. Ever since then, you know, it was from there out. It was you know just straight football, straight grinding, and me and my dad just working from there on, you know, 
And then I would say at the age of my freshman year, at the age 14, I went to I went to a school up in Toronto called Football North, right? And they're basically a program that plays, you know, down the States. You know, they play teams such as, you know, St. Edwards in Ohio. Uh, they play IMG. You know, they play um, Life Christian. You know, just, just some top schools out there. And um, I went there for my freshman and sophomore year. And after that, I had a couple of looks for some schools. Not really, not really a lot from some of our schools. And after that, um, me and my parents had decided to make the change to move down to, for myself to move down to Clearwater, to finally go play over at, play over here at Clearwater Academy International. And I got down here with Coach Jesse. You know, seeing Coach Jesse the first day. You know, I have my my DC uh, Rich Stubler. You know. Uh, long-time NFL, uh, I mean, CFL Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame coach. Um, and yeah, ever since then, it was just straight grinding and just straight learning. Right. What was it about the game of football that drew you to it? Was it the physicality? I mean, you were young when you decided you wanted right. to you wanted to actually make it your sport. Right. Um, I would say, I would say it was the sport that actually, like, required a lot of, like, athleticism but not but not anything like bouncing a bar or anything like that like you know like like you know like i was always like a defender when you're playing defense i don't have to bounce no ball i, I just gotta use my i gotta use my intelligence and my pure athleticism just to play the game and like right. and like it always just came natural to me and, that, and that's honestly why i loved it so much like, like I, I just i just love like defending the ball you, you seem like you're pretty proud of your african heritage your your father being from ghana uh, sharing that bond with Coach Adai, who his father is also from Ghana. Can you just talk about that part of the recruitment and how rare it was to find someone and just that extra layer of connection that was there in the process? Yeah, so for me and Coach Adai, like, it just seemed like every time we had talked, like, we just always found something in common or just something that linked us together, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like, one of one of my trainers back home in Toronto, uh, Dwayne Mundo, who I trained with when I was younger, he was he was Coach Adai's roommate at West Virginia, and that and that was crazy for me to hear. And I was like, damn, like I was like, damn, like you know, you know Mundo and stuff like that. And I was, you know, we just we just we just linked over that. And then after that, we had talked about you know being from Ghana and having our roots being from Ghana. And then our moms are also Caribbean, like 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 my like my mom's from Trinidad, right? His mom, his mom was Caribbean as well, and everything just linked together in terms of personalities and stuff like that. Right. And you didn't play any soccer growing up? No. You know I, was never, I was never a soccer kid. Like, you know, like, I played soccer when I was, like, little, real little, but no, I was never I was going to ask you if you ever wanted to play for the Black Stars, man, the, the, the no, Ghana no. national team, man. I have a jersey. I have a jersey, but yeah. no, I played for no Black Stars, no. So – getting into your game on the football field, right? And I, and I mentioned at the start, you may not be the highest rated recruit in the class, but something that I know the staff is very high. Well, a few things, obviously, you know, you're, you're high character kid, high football IQ, but your versatility, right? You, you have that modern body at, at the linebacker, safety, you know, whatever you want to call it, right? Star backer, you have it in your bio, on on Twitter, yeah. Describe your skill set on the football field for for people who, you know, you can pull up the huddle and it's very easy to see you in coverage, 
blitzing, making plays, you know, at the line of scrimmage and the run game. So you do a little bit of everything. Yeah. But in your own words, describe your game. My game, honestly, I would say like is it's just it's honestly just everywhere. Like honestly, like it's like it's just everywhere because you know I kind of I kind of pride myself in being physical and dominating and dominating like the game like physically and using that physicality to to help everything else around me. So in terms of coverage, I got like you know like, I'm I'm I'm, like, I'm definitely like a physical cover. And in terms of getting down the box, like 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 I like I love getting down the box. I love I love being in action. Um, love I love run support. I'm not like I like I'm not really like I, I don't really like I don't like playing single high, but I can play a single high. Um, I love all the coverages. Uh, I would say I would say I'm great in space, like really good in space in terms of covering ground in terms of like attacking the ball and coming downhill. I think I think that's most important for me. And that's my like major skill set is, is more is being like an attacker downhill. Definitely. The way that you know, the way that these these guys who have the ball in their hands are built these days, right? Yeah. You you look at the Debo Samuels of the world, you look at some of these tight ends that are more athletic than they were back in the day. Yeah. You need someone like yourself who covers space and can and can move around out there and can really play all three downs at the end of the day. Exactly. You look at a guy like a Darius Leonard for the for the Indianapolis Colts, uh, and he's a guy who's you know he's had some injury issues, but when he's healthy, he's all over the field making plays in pass game, the run game, yeah. stripping the ball. Is there a guy that you kind of look at and you say, "I want to play like that guy," or take certain elements of? different players games and try to incorporate it into your own see like that's that's what that's what i would definitely say i would definitely say i don't want to be like one player i would say like yeah like i want to take i want to take this aspect of this player and like acquire it as my own like you know like you know like i would definitely i definitely want to have edward's ball skills and i definitely want to be able to come downhill like like, like a sean taylor and you know and you're like i definitely want to cover like a Jalen ramsey and stuff like that so i definitely want to incorporate that all around um like I would say before, like my game is very similar to like in Isaiah Simmons, but like in Isaiah Simmons, like 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 his primary is a linebacker, my primary is a secondary, like a safety. So like that's like the difference between us. Well, you look at what he did at Clemson, yeah, and he was a safety at Clemson. So yeah. and and I, I think that he's gonna try to move back to that spot yeah. now this year. Yeah. So I think, I think I think he's moving to a corner this year, which is. <clears throat> Just shows you his versatility, you exactly. know. That's I, he was a track guy as well at in high school. So he plays, he plays everywhere, and that's honestly like that's honestly like amazing to me because I I don't want to I don't want to settle down for like a one spot. I'm like I'm not that kind of player. So you talked about Coach Gidry and how you, you know his plan for the defense, yeah. how you were gonna fit in, right? Explain to me and kind of your understanding of what the defense is going to look like moving forward because it's going to be new for Miami fans. This yeah. is going to be new. It obviously hasn't been here before. And then how you see yourself fitting into that plan. Yeah, so Coach Gidry, honestly, like like in terms of his defensive style, he's aggressive. Like like what I tell you, like every like every play, like he's like he's going to come at you and he's going to – and he's just going to pound you guys to the ground. Like, like he's, he's going to send guys off the edge. He's, a, he's going to send guys off the, like, up the middle. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
so it's like Coach Gidry, like his plan was, you know, to have me, you know, excel everywhere in terms of, in terms of everywhere back in that, in the, in that, in that, in that secondary, from you know being a primary strong safety to to being able to move down to a nickel to being able to play up to a free safety. You know what I mean? Just be just be able to be versatile everywhere on the field. And Coach Gidry, like his his like his defensive style is similar to, you know, my here at CAI. You know, like we play we play like a ton of like you know poach coverages in terms of in terms of cross reading, um, a lot of a lot of a lot of cover one. You know what I mean? And and it's just straight aggressive and you know off man coverage, off man coverage. So Matt, how big was the move for you coming down to the States? Obviously the program you're at has a reputation for being extremely good at at working with with international guys like like yourself, right? And and they've produced multiple guys, a ton of guys at the next level. Yeah. It's for you. You hear it when you're talking now. You seem like you're very advanced when it ter- when it comes to the terminology and the coverage schemes, things of that nature. How much has making the move down here accelerated that process for you? Yeah. So when I came down here, the first thing I did was I sat with my DC, uh, Rich Stubler, and for two hours we went over his his gigantic scheme. You know what I mean? And he's and he's a great coach, you know. He coached at Oregon, you know. He coached at a whole bunch of schools, you know, NFL, CFL, all over. So to just kind of have that mentorship and kind of teach me like an entire scheme of of of, of like just like an amazing like like you know, it's just an amazing scheme. Um, the move, the move in terms of like person, like personally wise, like you know, like it was different, you know, moving from Toronto all the way down to to Florida. Um, my, Beach my, man. Yeah, it's it's hot. Down it's, it's hot. It's hot down here. It's humid. It's humid. Is 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 the big difference too? Yeah, the humidity is terrible, especially after it rains. Um, in terms of like teammates and stuff like that, you know, I'd say like seventy five, eighty percent of my team is Canadian kids too. So it's like, in terms of culture and stuff like that, like it, like like it wasn't it wasn't a big thing at all. You mm-hmm. know, like I'm, I'm around I'm around guys, you know, like from the same country that I'm from. You know, we, we don't have we don't have, we don't have we don't have like a lot of like U.S. kids on our team. Actually, we have Europeans right. and we have Canadians, but we don't have we have like maybe like six Florida kids, maybe. Um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of the football, in terms of the football, you know, like the competition and stuff like that. You know, I I played down here a year before, even though I was up in Canada. I think I played all my games down here. So, so like the speed of the game wasn't too much of a difference for me at all. I adjusted really, really well, especially in that first game against uh, Miami Palmetto. Definitely. So you guys played Palmetto last year. Okay, yeah. They obviously had a couple Miami commits mm-hmm. who are who are there now. I went to a bunch of the games. I went to four or five Palmetto games last year because they actually played most of their games right down the street from uh, from where I live. Yeah. So I was familiar with them. What was your uh, impression of of those guys and some of that South, South Florida speed, man? It's a little little different, you know. Uh, so, what was that? What was the that like? That first game, you know, like I didn't I didn't really see too much of it against especially against like Palmetto and stuff like that. You know, like you know, like our defense did a really really great job. You know, especially like in terms of like in terms of like containing guys, like you know, you know, like Robbie, you know. Right. He, he didn't really have a, he didn't really have himself a game, 
Um, so, so, so I didn't, I didn't see too much of him in terms of like what he showed. Uh, I'd say Bobby, you know, Bobby, like his, his, his measurements are crazy. Yeah. Uh, he's tall, big, and he, and he can, and he can definitely fly around. He's definitely aggressive. So I seen that on the sideline, you know, while, while my offense was on. So, yeah. That was game one of the season. Yeah, yeah that was game one. Yeah, they were trying to, they were figuring out their quarterback situation yeah, exactly. then for sure. So I, I think that had like three quarterback changes that game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But you're right. Bobby is not that different in terms of the frame as you, right? Uh, we have a question here actually from a, from a fan, Fish Fan Miami wants to know what, what your measurements are right now. Like what are you weighing out with your height yeah. and weight right now? Because the stuff online is never really accurate yeah. or up to date. Yeah. So if I'm gonna be honest, I am six one and three quarters. Uh, I weighed in. So at, you're six two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I weighed in at one ninety six, and my wingspan is a six eight and a half wingspan. And then there my forty, go. and then my forty time is a four five. Okay. There you go. So the, that's that's his measurements and updated information there. I mean, do you have a a, a weight goal for when you come to Miami? A lot of guys I've talked to in the class kind of say that the staff saying don't really worry about it until you get here. Yeah. But I mean, what what is that any different for you? Um, no, they don't, they don't have no weight goal on me. I think I think honestly, when I get down there, I'll definitely grow in terms of like my weight. Like 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 if I'm being honest, like I think I think I'll probably get to like two ten, two fifteen easily. Right, naturally. Naturally, honestly, just naturally, like honestly, just like naturally, like I'll, I'll probably get to that size. Um, no, like I was talking to Coach Die, and he was saying, like, yeah, if I'm being honest, keep keep it keep keep it between 190 and 200. Don't don't try and do anything and mess up your speed or anything like that. Don't try and you know put on too much mass because when they get definitely. down there, when they get down there, like they'll do it properly, you know. So yeah, definitely, you want to stay as as fast as you light on on your feet as possible. There. Guys, unfortunately, come in a lot of times. You come in five, ten pounds overweight. It's not a good look, and then you're behind the eight ball already. You you ha you're not even in shape to get in the shape you need to be in. So exactly. that's that's probably the right move. We have a another question here from Anthony asking if there's anyone at your high school that you would like. To join you at Miami or anyone maybe maybe there's a guy who's under the radar who's not getting the love that they need recruiting wise yeah uh see honestly like all my guys like like I love all my guys like like you know like, like my linebacker Kiari James he's from he's from Calgary Alberta Canada he he's committed to Maryland but I, I would have loved for him to come to come to the U with me of course you know Sean Sevillano my nose tackle you know he's he's great uh probably Number one, it probably be between Dallas Sims, my wide receiver. He's com he's committed to Minnesota, or Jason, or or like or like Jason Zandamella, or like or Mauricio Hines. He's also, he's also he's also he's also my tackle committed to Minnesota. So listen, it's a long recruiting process, yeah. obviously. So we 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 don't know what what could happen with with everyone. Maybe maybe things change. Are you an early enrollee for yeah. January? Yeah, especially especially like being from Canada, like you know, like 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 all the kids down here from Canada, we actually start, um, we actually start school a year earlier than kids do, like 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 in terms of high school. Mm -hmm. uh, so right now, I have all my credits and all that stuff like that. So I'll be an early enrollee. 
and Jaguars. Gio's asking, did you play hockey growing up? You didn't mention no. that you did. No, I, that no. was a quick, quick no. I, I, I never liked hockey at all. No. I, was, I never watched hockey. I was never hockey. Which is tough to resist, man. And that yeah. you're in you're in Canada. It's it's the thing over there, obviously. Yeah, exactly. You're a football. Listen, if you're just joining the show right now, right? This guy, Isaiah Thomas, commit from Miami's class, safety, was born in Toronto. Dad tried to get him in basketball at an early age. He said pretty much at five, six years old, I'm going to play football. And he just said it himself. He resisted the hockey, which was, I'm sure, thrown in his face all, all the time. And people around him were, were with the hockey sticks and the pucks everywhere. So it, it just goes to show you how much the, the, the guy loves the game. Yeah. Plus, I'm telling you, hockey was just... I find it tough to – I can't even – listen, going to a game is, is cool, you know, when it gets physical and, there, you know, yeah. there's a fight. Exactly. But, like, it's tough to watch the puck. For it's me, just, it's tough to it's follow just, the puck. Uh, yeah, like, honestly, like, the game like, like the game is just too too long for me in a sense because it's like, it's like, you know, like, okay, like, after, like, 15 minutes of you guys skating around, like, play, playing with this puck on the ice, like, okay, is, is someone going to score? Like – like then, well, then you got the you got three you got two half times or three half you got three yeah, periods exactly and then you got my point. yeah I'm with exactly. you exactly they say they say that the the playoffs are the most exciting thing in sports but I don't buy it I I, I really don't buy it Play, playoff hockey is actually it's actually kind of exciting um like even just to watch like I like like, you're like I think it's like when I never like I never I'll never watch hockey. But right. playoff, but playoff time comes is like it's like I can actually watch it because it's just way more intense. The the Panthers made a run this year, so I was I was seeing it. I just I I couldn't get into it. I I couldn't get into it. So we're on the same page there for sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. We got a question here. What's your song you play before a game to lock in? Uh, probably some kind of Drake. Maybe like uh. Like an album by Drake, like I mean, like maybe I play like All Me by Drake, um, some King Von. Um, could I could I could have guessed that the Drake was the easiest the easiest answer. You King Von, rest in peace, King Von. You threw that in there. Yeah, I, I love King Von. He's my favorite rapper. Yeah. Okay, so he so you got him over over Drake. All right. Yeah. All right, we got we got we got someone here who has a couple comments saying Six God. So. <laughs> Yeah. But listen, Isaiah, I'm gonna let you go here. You've been you've been awesome. My, my last kind of question to you is: it's a double, it's kind of a two sided question. Yeah. When you chose Miami, mm -hmm. right? What what was the separating factor for them? I, I kind of asked you the question in the beginning, but like moving forward mm -hmm. for Canes fans and just in your interactions with them so far and stuff, what's your message to them? Uh, in terms of once you step on campus, what your mindset's going to be and things of that nature. Yeah. So, so like I, I even talked to this with you know, um, I talked to this with like with like a with like a, with, like a, with like a bunch of people around me. You know, like my best friend Kamari, my family, uh, Coach Crystal Ball, uh, Coach Adai, and I said, listen, like if I'm being honest, like I want to get in the playbook early. You know, I want to get in it now so that by the time I get on campus. You know, I know everything, and I'm not. I'm not sitting there trying to like learn and like and like I, I and like and like I already, I already know the system. You know what I mean? And that's that's like the most important thing to me is getting in and knowing the system fast, 
and knowing the system before I get there. So it's kind of it's kind of just you know physically preparing, mentally preparing it from now, um, just making sure that there's no games being played when I get there, nothing but work, nothing but dedication. Honestly, Isaiah, man, you've been awesome. I appreciate your time. You you checked off all the Toronto stereotypes. You came out with the Raptors hat. You. We talked about Drake. Yeah, I'm sure. Like I said, I'm sure if you move the camera a little bit, you got your your shrine back there somewhere. No shrine. We'll find it one day. We'll see. Isaiah Thomas, man, I appreciate you coming on, and Canes uh, fans are very excited to have you. You have a bright future ahead. So best of luck. Thank you so much.